Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com slash explore. schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. Uh, and we're back to preview the Michigan State Spartans against Northwestern. Um, so MSU returns to Big Ten play uh, on Sunday to face Northwestern 8-6 overall, 1-4 um, in the Big Ten. Northwestern comes back after four straight losses uh, since last time MSU played them. Um, what are we looking at with MSU coming, or uh, with Northwestern coming back into this one? Well, you know, the the loss in Evanston, which was a six-point game, and I'm sure our listeners remember, MSU was actually down seven at the half, so mm-hmm. that was not an easy win for MSU, but that has started a four-game losing streak. So on on a couple of levels, on, on just the record on that level, and also, as we'll get into in a second, when you look at the underlying metrics – you know, where they where they rate in certain areas in Ken Palm, it definitely started a slide. Northwestern, their record and also the underlying numbers do not look as good yeah. as they did before the first game. That said, they've been competitive in all of these losses. They were all single-digit losses. The one they just took to Maryland, which was a home loss and a rough one because they beat Maryland at Maryland in December. It's the only big 10 win. That was a double overtime loss. Mm. So they've been, despite maybe not playing as well as they had been in some ways, mostly defensively, um, they've been right there. They've had opportunities to win and they just haven't been able to close it out. So I, I guess what I would say is, they don't look as good as they did before the first meeting where they were a borderline top 40 team, both offense and defense. Uh, but they're still a dangerous team, mm-hmm. you know, and Tom Izzo in his uh, press conference yesterday, I think it was talked about that, that this is, and I, and I agree completely. This is a, uh, a veteran team. They got a lot of juniors and seniors. They played a lot of basketball these guys know how to play, and we saw that in the first game. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. were and, – and that was a day where they were right there, and Michigan State really did a pretty good job of limiting their two best players, Pete Nance and Boo Booey. Neither of those guys really went off, and yet Northwestern was right there. So they're dangerous. You, you're going to have to play well, and – uh, to win this game. And, you know, beyond that, even as we, we spent some time talking about the other day, uh, right now, I think Michigan state, and there's another thing Izzo said at the press conference, which I totally agree with, because we had talked about it in the post game in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan state has regressed in a couple of areas. They've gotten worse and that needs to change pretty quickly because, once they get past this game starting next week, it's, it gets real. Mm. 
you start looking at some of these opponents and where some of these games are being played, you know, uh, the good news is they have almost a week to prepare for their next game after Saturday. The bad news is at Madison. Yeah. And Wisconsin's playing very well, far better than I ever thought they'd be capable of this year. (laughs) So, I mean, this is, uh, that's a good team right now. Mm -hmm. So it gets real. And I shouldn't have to explain to anybody what playing a game in Madison is like. So um, they, it's got to start with this one for mm-hmm. MSU. Uh, yeah, so 55th overall in Ken Palm for Northwestern, 42nd um, on offense, 83rd on defense. Um, yeah, so- that's where the decline is. It's the defensive side. The offense is basically right where it was before mm-hmm. the first game with MSU. The defense has fallen from the 40s to the 80s. Yeah. Uh, and just to remind everybody, just kind of where the numbers are, uh, three uh, three point percentage, thirty five percent, which is pretty good. Free throws, seventy six. Um, they just they don't take a ton, uh, right? Of threes, they don't get to the line often. Um, offensive rebounding is not great. Two hundredth in the company uh, in the country. Two percent or two point percentage is mediocre. Um, yeah, the the real strength is like Minnesota and like several teams Michigan State has seen this season. The Northwestern doesn't turn it over much. Yeah, that's the one thing offensively they do it in elite level. They're a decent three point shooting team that started to decline a little bit. Um, free throw percentage is good, but as you said, they just don't get a lot of those up. Uh, and then offensive rebounding has been a problem, but. <laughs> defensive rebounding has been a big problem for Michigan state. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll come back to that one. Yeah. I mean, cause on defense, they do two point percentage really well, 16th in the nation. Um, but yeah. that's down from number two in the nation when they played MSU. Yep. So that's a big, that yep. is a big fall. You have to be <laughs> pretty far down to, to drop it that far. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, that's really the key to their decline defensively is they're still good. I mean, 16th is still really good, but they're not They're not where they were, where they were, as you said, they were number two in the country before the first meeting. And I think that's, in part, that's a reflection of who they've been playing. I mean, when you when you look at, at their schedule, uh, they saw Michigan State, who has not been a great two-point shooting team, but certainly better than most of what they'd seen mm-hmm. prior to that game. I believe they played Indiana, who was... Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, both of those guys are, you know, at the rim scorers and are very good players. Maryland's got some guys who can occasionally do damage at the basket, even though they've had a terrible year. Um, you know, so that's that's partially responsible is that they're just playing better opponents. But um, Pete Nance isn't block has not been blocking shots the way he was, so the rim protection maybe has not been as good. Um, and they're just, yeah, they're, they're, they're taking a hit and that's enough when combined with the fact that they don't defend threes particularly well, that they've, you know, they've taken a, they've taken a serious, serious backslide uh-huh. on the defensive side. And it's tough. It's tough to win in the big 10 if your defense is down where theirs is, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's just the bottom line. Uh, so we look at starters, uh, Boo Booey, 6'2", junior. He leads the Big Ten in assists, Rod, at 5.8, um, 14.8 points a game on 39, 33, and 80. Yeah, and, and he's, you know, again, Michigan State 
contained him pretty well in the first game. Uh, this yeah. is, you know, to do it again is going to be tough because this is a guy who up until then had been a Spartan killer, as we talked about. He had some huge games, and he's had a really good season. He's matured into a player I didn't necessarily think he could be. I, I knew it was obvious when he was a freshman that he had talent, but I questioned whether he would ever really be a point guard because, to me, his shot selection – his instincts just did not seem to run in that direction. But to his credit, he's become a, a very, very good player. And the Big Ten is not stacked with high-level point guards this year. No. It's a position that's not as strong as it's been in the past. I mean, we've had years where you think about, like, years where you had Cassius Winston, Xavier Simpson, and Marcus Carr, and, and Tony Carr. I mean, just up and down the conference – you had great point guard play. That's not this year. You know, th- this year, honestly, if you look at the totality of the production, Boo Booey's probably right at the top. Hmm. And that's not to bag on him. He's a nice player, but he's not what some of those guys I just mentioned were. <laughs> yeah. So it tells you something about the position right now. I, I think the the standard in the Big Ten this year is more – Um, if you've got guys who can give you, you know, can make plays for others, can defend well and give you a little bit of scoring, that's enough. If you look around the conference, you know, Michigan State's combination is that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ohio State with uh, Jamari Wheeler, the transfer from Penn State, he's that kind of guy. You know, uh, I guess Illinois with Trent Frazier, if you think he's their point guard, which he has been since Corbello went out, he's had a nice year, but it's just not, not at the usual level, but, but that's, again, that's not Boo Booey's fault. He's playing pretty well. The other thing Boo Booey does nicely for them that, that didn't mention, uh, Northwestern continues to play very fast on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. Um, their, their length of possession is, I think, still in the top 10 nationally um so they play very fast and that's not something we're used to seeing from northwestern but it's it's something that i think a guy like boo booey in particular is really necessary for because he's kind of that that kind of dynamic player to get them into stuff and make things happen quickly mm-hmm. uh and then chase audige six four junior um who kind of really struggled a little bit in the first msu game um yeah but he'd been injured earlier in the year, uh, but he's come back 11.4 points a game, 37, 17% from three, uh, and 81% from the line. Yeah, that that three-point shooting percentage is up seven points since the first <laughs> game against MSU. But it's, look, I mean, I had said heading into the first game, look, he'd only played three games at that point. Um, Expected it all rounded his shape because he was a 34% shooter last year from three. Well, we've now got four more games. And, yes, it has gone north, but not by very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem, as I've seen it with Chase Audige this year, I think he was, even last year where he was much more successful, he was a guy who occasionally took, well, not occasionally, a lot, took questionable shots. you know. But that's because his style of play is very much um, – pedal to the metal he's he's looking to make things happen 
um, very aggressive. And so sometimes that can also result in a player not showing the best judgment. But I think this year it's been beyond that in terms of his shot selection. His shot selection in the Michigan State game, you mentioned he didn't play well. A lot of that was shot selection. He just took terrible shots. And, you know, Northwestern's playing fast and all that. I get it. But, man, you've still got to show some some judgment. And I understand that he's a guy that has a history of taking and making tough shots, and he's that kind of player. But you still have to show better judgment. And he just hasn't. And if that doesn't improve, his underlying numbers probably aren't going to improve. Uh, and then, but oh, on any ahead. one day, on any one day, he could hit some bad shots. Yeah, and that's what you got to worry about. Yeah, because he was thirty four percent last season, so it's not like he yeah. is actually that bad. Probably right. Um, and then Ty Berry, six three, uh, sophomore, eight point nine points a game, forty four from the floor, forty five from three, and fifty eight from the line. Uh, we talked about this in the first game. If you remember, there was a segment early in that game where Barry hit a couple threes. Yeah, and and then he disappeared. Yeah, he didn't do anything. I think you, I think you would actually ask a question like, yeah. why did they not keep going to him? And we don't have an answer on that. The only thing I could tell you is, if you look at his season numbers, you look at those percentages, which are really good, and and it's not a fluke. If, when you watch him play, he looks like a guy that can shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not one of these deals where you're like, well, okay, he just happens to be going through a hot streak, but you can tell this is not a pure shooter. He's a pure shooter, but his scoring average is not where you would want it to be for a guy shooting that well. And I think the bottom line is he's not taking enough shots. They got a couple guys like that. For whatever reason, Barry does not get enough shots up. And some of it is that somebody like Chase Audage is out there gunning. But, <laughs> yeah. but I think, the, the, you know, that's, that's down to Chris Collins, right? He has to, if he sees that and if he believes it's a problem, he's, he's the coach. He's got to do something to change that equation mm-hmm. for his team, you know. But it, it hasn't happened thus far. I'm not quite sure why. But if it were me... You'd maybe live with Ty Berry seeing that percentage decline a little bit, but just seeing the volume increase. I mean, a a great example of this is look at uh, Gabe Brown from Mm. Michigan State. You know, Gabe's what? He's in the high 30s now because he had had kind of an off game against Minnesota. Um, But I think if Gabe were maybe more along the lines of what he's been the last couple of years prior to this one, that percentage probably would be north of 40% because he wouldn't be taking quite as many, but MSU wants him to be a volume shooter because he's a very, very good shooter. So you, you live with him maybe taking a couple more than he would have in the past, knowing that his volume is going to increase your, your ultimate productivity. You know, you want made shots Mm -hmm. And you can live with a guy declining a little bit. So that, to me, that's where Northwestern is with Barry. Uh, and then Robbie Brand, 6'9", Jr., also kind of got lost after the opening of that game a little bit. <laughs> Here's the other guy who that, except I've been saying it with regard to him for three years. Yeah. Uh, six, Same deal. 6.7 points a game, 48, 33, and 91. Uh, and he's playing 23 minutes, four and a half rebounds. Yep. Uh, it's... 
every time I see Robbie Buran play, like every single time, what I am left with in terms of a feeling about his game is, why does this guy not do more? Mm-hmm. Now, his shooting numbers are not quite as good as they've been in the past. He's actually been a better shooter than this. But even so, 33% is still good enough that you can live with it if if it was a higher volume, you know? Yeah. He just does not get shots. And I've never understood it. There's three years running. He's always been a key player. He's been a starter for much of that time. And yet the numbers, the productivity is always kind of in this area. And I don't get it. Mm. Uh, and then Pete Nance, 6'10", senior, uh, still high averaging numbers, uh, 17.1 points, 7.7 rebounds, um, a block and a half a game. Uh, 51 from the floor, 46 from three, and 77 from the line. Yeah, he, Michigan State really did a nice job on him in the first game. He, yeah. he, if I remember correctly, he, he got some point production, but not his normal level, and his efficiency was not where it normally is. As you mentioned with those numbers, he's having a really good season. He gets lost in the shuffle because there's so many high-level fives in this conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but make no mistake he's he's having other than i guess you'd put you put coburn at the top and then the purdue guys you've got to kind of handicap a little bit because they're splitting minutes but uh, and maybe liddell so those are your top three or four other than that i think you'd be hard pressed to name another big man that's having a better year than pete nance in this conference and, and he doesn't get talked about, and he should, because he's really doing everything. You know, the, the rim protection, as I mentioned, the block shots have gone down a little bit lately, mm. but he still gives you an element there. He's been a good rebounder. He's shooting the hell out of the ball, and he's and he's versatile. He's, he's actually, I mean, this is a true stretch five, which you don't see much. Um, true stretch five, but he could put the ball on the floor. He could do some things that way. I, I think he's – I'm pretty sure he's going to be drafted. He's got NBA bloodlines, which is a factor too, of course. But mm. um, his father and his brother both NBA players. But it, it's really remarkable. He was a guy when he was – I think I talked about this before the first game. When he was recruited, he was a top 100 guy. Michigan and Ohio State wanted him, and Northwestern won the recruitment. Uh, so he was identified as a player. And then it took him two and a half years, I think, to find – any kind of real level of consistency, his, his effort and his focus always to me seem to be in question. It's not now mm-hmm. he is, he is there every game for that team. And it's put him in a position where I think he's going to get a great shot to be an NBA player, which I wouldn't have said a year ago, despite his last name. Uh-huh. Uh, and then coming off the bench, Ryan Young, six ten junior, 9.4 points a game, four point. 4.4 rebounds, 17 minutes, uh, and he's 66 from 60% from the floor, 77 from the line. Yeah, he he played pretty well against Michigan State, and he's, you know, you want if you talk about old school big men, that's what Ryan Young is. He is not a stretch guy. He hasn't attempted a three this year, mm-hmm. and he probably won't. Um, he's not a particularly athletic guy. What he is is a big body who knows how to use his body to create space for himself and he finishes plays. So 
So if he gets the ball around the rim, you're in some trouble. Yeah. Uh, because he knows how to use his body to give himself a little bit of space and he knows how to finish and he will do that. Um, nice backup option for them. Um, you know, it, it's a really, really good one, two punch. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's who there's nothing spectacular that, that young does, but you know, exactly what you're getting mm-hmm. every game. It's, you know, kind of like there are other guys around the league like this, uh, Harrow at, at Penn state is a different player, but kind of a, a version of this too, where there's nothing he does that's spectacular, but you know every single game, all right, I can probably put this guy down safely for, you know, in his case, he plays more minutes. So say, you know, 12 and seven, mm. and you're going to get that young. It's similar in terms of the per minute production. You know what you're going to get. Uh, and then Ryan Greer, 6'2 senior, um, averaging 4.9 points a game, 4 to 1 assist to turnover ratio. Um, but his three pointer has declined a little bit in the last four yeah. games. Yeah, he was shooting in the mid 40s and now he's in the 30s. Um, and and that's unfortunate because he's been having a really, really strong year. It's still, still productive for a backup point guard. I mentioned before the first game, if you told me four years ago, that this guy was going to be playing as well as he is, even with the recent declines, I wouldn't have believed it because they brought him in in kind of an emergency situation. They had had a point guard who had been committed to them that then didn't get admitted to the school late in the process. It was like during the summer. Mm-hmm. And they had to scramble. They got Greer, who um, reclassified and wasn't a big recruit anyway, but they just needed a body, and and he was terrible. I mean, just look completely overwhelmed. That was a year that if people remember, they, they ended up kind of using Vic law as their point guard, which was unfortunate for Vic because mm-hmm. he was actually a wing. Um, but uh, Greer has worked at it and he's now at a point where he's definitely a capable big 10 player. So that's progress. Uh, and then Casey Simmons, who's um sort of the backup to Adige and started in his absence at the beginning of the year, six, six freshman, um, only three points per game though, 38 from the floor, 25 from three and 65 from the line. Yeah. And, and he's another guy who his shooting has really declined as they've gotten into big 10 play, which shouldn't be a big shocker. You're going up against legitimate defenses every night for the most part, you know, mm-hmm. unless you're in Iowa city. Um, and, uh, and he's a freshman, and so he's kind of he seems to be kind of hitting a wall. I don't think any of that changes the long term prognosis with him. He's a good player, and is going to be a key guy for them sooner sooner than later. But for now, it's just kind of getting to him. And so he's some of these guys at the end of their rotation have started to see their minutes decline a little bit. Yeah, um, because it's you know. You just don't have the minutes to, to spare on throwing them at a young guy. You got to try to win games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that sort of applies to Elijah Williams, too. Uh, 6 7, 20. Uh, he's the grad transfer they got from Fairleigh Dickinson. But 3.9 points a game, 2.7 rebounds in 14 minutes. Yeah, he's seen his, seen his minutes slip a little bit. He's still, because he's a veteran, I think there'll be a little more trust with him. Mm-hmm. And he's got a, a very specific role, which is just come in, give Baran a blow, 
and come in and play with some energy, throw his body around, which he can do. But yeah, the productivity is starting to dip. Yeah. Uh, and then Julian Roper, the Detroit guy, uh, six three freshman, uh, three point four points a game, three rebounds, seventeen minutes, uh, thirty one thirty three from three, and seventy one from the line. Same thing. He's yeah. seeing his minutes decline. In fact, there have been a couple games recently where he hasn't even played. Mm. Um, he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to be a very good player for them. Yeah. I've mentioned here before, he kind of got lost in the shuffle in this state because there were a few other guys who played roughly the similar position. You know, there were all these wings in that class in Michigan. And, you know, you had one guy go to Michigan, two go to Michigan State, and then Roper was kind of the fourth man. And he also, at, at his later stages of high school, um, he play, started to play AAU for um, uh, Spies in the Heat, mm. Indiana-based team, rather than one of the Michigan-based teams. And so all of that kind of took him off the radar a little bit, but I do think he's going to be a very good player at Northwestern. And that's about all probably we'd see uh, in this one. Um, yeah. So keys, Rod, uh, defense. Michigan State's defense at one point was number two on Ken Palm. Now yep. it's slipped into the mid twenties. Um, yep. Yeah. Look, it, it, it. You can look at that, or you can look at the eye test, and it's going to get you to the same place. They are not defending as well as they were a month ago. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just that's just the truth, and. If they're going to be a team that truly contends at the top of this conference, they have to get back closer to that level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the offensive improvement they've had is real. You know, their their offense is in the low twenties, so they've yeah. really improved offensively. That's real. This is a good shooting team. It is a good transition team. Um, maybe starting to improve a little bit in terms of their ability to score from two. Um, they do a lot of things well, especially when they minimize the turnovers. They're extremely tough to stop offensively. But that sounds great. We know in this conference, if you can't defend, you're going to have problems winning the ultimate prize. That's just how it goes. Mm. Um, you, you need no more reminder than looking at last year. Iowa was one of the better offensive teams we've seen in this league uh, in recent years. That was a a team that offensively very, very difficult to slow down because they had all, they they just had so much in the way of jump shooting, Garza inside, you know, really, really difficult to stop, but they couldn't defend as Iowa teams never seem to be able to. And that meant that there was a ceiling on how good they would be. They were good. They won a lot of games. They won a championship. Mm Mm-hmm. The Michigan State's never going to be as bad as Iowa was defensively. That's just never going to happen. I don't think it's possible. But there's a difference between uh, – you look at another team as an example. Ohio State last year is maybe an even more salient example because that's a program that has been good defensively at times. Mm-hmm. But they weren't last year. They're very good on offense, not good enough on defense, and they ended up sliding late. I think ended up 12-8 and eight in the league. So they were they went from being – in contention to completely out of it by the end. And it was largely down to the way they defended. So for Michigan state to be a true contender, they've got to get back to where they were. The good news is 
we've seen this group do it. We've seen them do a better job in dribble penetration. We've seen them do a better job at, at dealing with ball screen action. We've seen Markey do a better job in the post. So we know there's a capability here. We just have to see it get back to that level as a group. The good news is they know it. Yeah. But they got to they gotta change it. And, you know, Northwestern, again, not a not a sensational offensive team, but a good one, a near top 40 offense with veterans who know how to play, know how to run their stuff, know how to get shots, and will make a decent percentage of them. So you got to defend well. It's a good test, and we'll see how, how much improvement's been made in, in a handful of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then threes. Michigan State's up to 39.5%, of which is eighth in the nation. Um, and you compare that to Northwestern, who has a lot of trouble limiting attempts, and they give up a high percentage, too. Yeah, it, it should you know give a lot of credit to Minnesota because and it's something we didn't spend enough time talking about in the post game. Um, they only gave up fourteen three point attempts. Mm-hmm. Michigan State just didn't get a lot up, and that was in part because Northwestern or I'm sorry Minnesota really actively seemed to be looking to take it away. Like they, there was a lot of talk post game about how they had Luke Lowe, their their guard, uh, was just living in Gabe Brown's face mm-hmm. all game long. And Izzo had mentioned in the post game, like that's something Gabe has got to learn to deal with because he is not used to being at the top of a scouting report. Well, he is now, and teams are going to continue to try to put together game plans to take him away. Uh, so he's got to be better. He's got to run. He's got to run his run MSU stuff better. He's got to be sharper in his cuts. Um, got to be more cognizant of how teams are defending him and, and throw counters at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that kind of stuff. But Michigan State as a team, I think it's no secret at this point they're a very very good three point shooting team. And so <laughs> opponents are obviously, if I were doing a keys for for Northwestern in this game. Probably the number one thing would be defend the arc. Mm-hmm. Now, they haven't been very good at it, but that doesn't mean they can't put together a scheme for a day that could do a better job. So with Michigan State, it's more than just you know shooting the, continuing to shoot the high percentage they've shot. It's going to be about being able to make sure they're getting good looks, that they're generating those shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, against Minnesota, I didn't think they did a good enough job. So we'll, we'll see if Northwestern is, is effective at all in taking that away. And if they are, is Michigan state able to counter? Yeah. Uh, and then turnovers, obviously. (laughs) Well, we say, we say it every game and this is another game where you're playing a team that's top 10 in turnover percentage. Um, it's an issue. You know, you mm-hmm. want to give a, a road opponent on the road uh, an opportunity to hang around in a game. One surefire way to do it is kick the ball around when they don't. So it, that was one thing I thought Michigan State did reasonably well against Minnesota. It was only a five turnover gap. That's fine. You mm-hmm. can live with that in a game like this. As long as you do other things you ought to do, you can live with that. Yeah. Uh, and then boards. Boy, MSU was horrible on the boards last game. 
And and this is another poor offensive rebounding team, but they're not as bad, not nearly as bad as Minnesota. They've got a lot more size, and their numbers are better. And they did a pretty good job in the first game on the offensive boards. So um, some of this is about defense. There's been a lot of talk, and I think it's accurate, that Michigan State did itself a disservice by allowing so much dribble penetration against Minnesota. That forced defenders to cut, you know, guys at the rim to step up and deal with penetrators, which then took them out of ideal defensive rebounding position. Mm. Um, there's truth to that. Yeah. It's not the entirety of it, though. There, there was some effort and energy related stuff that I think was very apparent. Um, there's also a little bit of, and it's not just penetration, but. Michigan State may be getting a little block happy. And look, yeah. rim protection's a big a big deal, and this team is very good at it. But man, the the reason that MSU didn't emphasize shot blocking for so long was Izzo was a believer in the idea that that could get you out of rebounding position. You know, when guys are going out hunting blocks. Now the game has changed uh, because of the way it's called. You have more penetration to deal with, so there's much more of a premium on being able to protect at the rim. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can be a, a great defensive team unless you have some element of that. It's very more difficult than it used to be to be a very good defensive team without that. So Michigan State has changed. They've had very, very good shot blocking in, I'd say, the last, God, probably going back to at least to Deontay Davis, so yeah, the last six, yeah. seven years. They've always had a, at least one guy who was putting up decent shot block numbers, and the team has has been uh, very, very highly ranked in that area. But you got to temper it, and they were earlier this season. You know, there's a difference between Marcus Bainham on a help side block or um, Marcus Bainham blocking the shot of somebody he's guarding in the post, kind of straight up. Yeah versus kind of wildly and it's not just Marcus he's one guy but there were other guys too who were doing it you've got to you've got to be able to maintain your your rebounding positioning you know that's that's critical mm-hmm. so i think it was all those things combined to create a problem for MSU but the bottom line is if you can't defensive rebound you're not stopping possessions. You're continuing to give them more chances to score. Minnesota cashed in on those at a very high rate. Yeah. And you can't get your running game going. Yeah. So it hurts and, offensively as well. Yeah. And even the ones that they did block kind of went right to them for layups. They, yeah. We <laughs> so, talked about that, right? Yeah. Some of that was bad luck. And some of it was, you know, again, being out of position. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was a huge problem. Even the shot blocks were not effective because they weren't any possessions. Uh, and then so the fifth key is the one and five. Yeah. And, and the last game we talked about this, we said, okay, Northwestern's two best players are their point guard and their center, Bowie mm-hmm. and Nance. And Michigan State has guys that don't have the stats their guys do but we think can hang with them. And that ended up being a big positive for Michigan State because neither of those guys got loose. In this one, I'm looking at it a little differently. I'm looking at it from the Michigan State perspective in this way. Uh, Tyson Walker 
and, and we talked in the post game, Minnesota, we weren't sure. Was that injury related? Was that, and it wasn't, he had tweaked an ankle, but he was fine. According to Izzo, that was just a scenario where he had asked out of the game after three straight turnovers, which had immediately followed a great run where he'd scored seven points at quick possession. So you saw the best and the worst out of Tyson in very quick succession. Mm. Um, but that he asked out of the game, they were giving him a blow. And then by the time it would have come around to maybe reinsert him, they were happy with the way Hogard was playing and they went with him and that ended up working. You know, AJ was a big part of making the winning play. Um, it did some other positive things too. So it ended up working out, but so you've got Tyson Walker who really since coming back into big Ten play after it seemed like he'd found a rhythm, mm -hmm. he's been inconsistent since then. And so he's back to kind of struggling. Um, he needs to find himself and, and that means, making good decisions, but also finding a better balance between running things and being more aggressive offensively. Because you saw in that seven-point outburst what he's capable of doing. That move yeah. he made where he split the defenders to get a layup um, was a high-level move. He is capable of doing that kind of thing. And we know he's a good jump shooter. I mean, still north of 50%. Mm-hmm from three, you know, not on huge volume, but heavy enough. So he needs to, he needs to find that balance. You know, Michigan state needs him to be better than he's been. And then Marcus Bainham at the five, I think has also for the first time this year, after he'd been so consistently good right up through the end of the year. And then he missed that high point game due to COVID he's been back for, the three Big Ten games MSU has played since then. And he hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been the same level of player that we saw. There's been more defensive inconsistency. And, you know, in this last game, unfortunately, he was just a non-factor as a rebounder. He had two rebounds. Yeah, they finally that, took that him came, out, and he just never came back in. That's... Right, and it was the same deal as with Walker, I think. They had decided, well, Izzo mentioned, he said the reason they went with it is that Minnesota was just torturing them with their ball screen offense. So yeah. MSU decided they needed to be able to switch one through five to handle that. And so um, that led, that was part of it. But I don't think that was the entirety of it because Michigan State's been willing to roll with Marcus. Marcus has been a pretty good ball screen defender for most of this year. Mm. He was not against Minnesota. Um, so they, again, like with Walker, they made a personnel decision and it ended up, you know, they got the win barely, but they got the win. Um, but Michigan state, just as with Walker, where we know he's got to be better mm -hmm. for Michigan state to reach its ceiling. It, it's even more clear. Michigan state needs the Marcus Bainham. We've seen most of this year to reach yeah. its ceiling because he's so impactful I would say, honestly, the slippage on defense, I'm not letting anybody else off the hook. But to me, the single biggest factor has been Marcus Bingham has not been as good. Mm -hmm. And it's not about shot blocks. Yeah, that's nice. That's part of it. But he's got to be an effective defensive rebounder to end possessions when there's a missed shot. 
and his length changes everything, not just by virtue of him being able to block some shots. It makes it much, much more difficult for teams to operate because of how much length, how much space he can occupy with his arms. And he just has not been as good lately. And so that needs to change for Michigan State to be as good as it can be. It's like he's relying on his length now as opposed to getting in the right position so that his yep. length's an advantage. I think you're I think you're right. I think you're right. And may, look, because he's always been it, long, you know. I mean That's that's true. <laughs> that hasn't changed. Um, maybe, and you're right, it, what's been the key to his improvement this year has not been that he suddenly added five inches of wingspan. <laughs> it's It's been his awareness, his understanding of where he's supposed to be. Izzo had mentioned, too, that he thought maybe they were going to need to look at changing some things in terms of how they're handling ball screens. I don't know what that will mean, but I would suspect Marcus will be a big part of that if there are changes. Mm. Um, Northwestern's a different team than Minnesota, obviously. Um, Nance creates a lot of problems because he is a true stretch. Um, but, you know, when Young's in the game, that's a traditional five. You maybe have different things to worry about. So it may or may not be as tough a challenge as Minnesota was. But regardless, Michigan State needs Marcus Bingham to be a much better version of himself than he's been lately. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, any final thoughts on this one, Rod? Well, obviously, you know, home game against a team that's looking like they're probably going to be a second division group. Um, You know, you need to get the win. And as we've talked about and alluded to a few times, the schedule is going to get a lot tougher very quickly here. Yeah. So you need to bank these ones that you look at as kind of should-gets, as, as best as you can. And they've done a good job of that. They've gotten through this, you know, this stretch of games where, yeah, you could say there were lesser opponents and that's true. But the point is you got to beat them. You can't slip up in these games. And oftentimes what derails a conference title attempt is slipping up and losing a game like this, mm-hmm. you know, Northwestern, me saying they're a second division team does not equate to they're a bad team. Not at all. This is a capable basketball team, and Michigan State is going to have to do a lot of things well to win. But it's a game you just you've got to get. Yeah, you've got to get it. I, I do get worried having had so many of these Big Ten games against Minnesota's Northwesterns that at some point they're going to get to a really good opponent and just be shell shocked. Well, look. This will be the sixth game, right? Mm-hmm. So who have they played? They play. They will have played four games total against Minnesota Northwestern. They had Penn State at home, and Penn State is another look. Penn State's three and three, mm-hmm. but they're not Illinois. They're not Purdue. They're not Ohio State. We know this. Um, and then you had Nebraska at home. So you're right. I mean. They, they have not seen the kind of challenge in the league that they're about to get into. On the flip side, in the non-conference, they did. Kansas, Baylor, UConn, Loyola, the, even even seeing Louisville. Um, Oakland is unbeaten in their conference after last night. They're 6-0. and oh. wow. 
Um, you know, they, they've their non-conference schedule was legitimate. Mm. So it's not like they haven't seen high-level teams. They have. So that's not going to be a shock. But it's the, the level of challenge is clearly going to be different. Mm. And you're right. We're only going to know once they get there as to whether they are truly prepared and ready to take on that, that level of competition. The pessimistic side would be to say, okay, they did see a lot of good opponents, but the last time they saw somebody that was a lock NCAA tournament team was in November. Hmm. So it's been a while and that's fair, you know, but I, I guess from my perspective, you worry about that when you get there. Yeah, and right, right now they've got one more game they need to take care of. Get this one in the win column, and then you've got almost a week. I think it's next Friday, so it's a week from today that they play in Madison. So you've got time to lock in on that and start ramping up because it's going to require that. They're going to yeah. have to play better than they've played. We yeah. know that. Okay. Well, we'll leave it at that. And um Get the post game up after this one. Until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.